Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. What you respond to in your circumstances is your choice. Your circumstances may not be your choice. Many times our circumstances are not our choice. But our response is always our choice. And our response determines whether or not we enter and live in God's promised land of rest. It's dependent upon our response. Looking even at the Israelites who were told to spy out the land. And 11 spies came back from the land and said, there's giants in the land and there's no way that we can take this land. In other words, there's too many problems. And that was their response. They were focused on the giants in the land. They were focused on the problems. They were focused on the impossibilities. But one man, Caleb, came back from spying out the land. And he said, we can surely take it. Why? One man. Same circumstance, same situation, different response. Because Caleb was focused on God's word. Caleb was focused on what God says and not what he saw. Not what he could see. And in life, I've noticed that you can have two people, same situation, same circumstance, different response. And from that response, a different ultimate result. Over and over and over. And I've realized the responsibility as I've gotten older and realized that, you know, you can only blame people for so long. You can only blame how you were raised as to what your personality is like for so long. You can only blame other people's mistakes or mistreatment for your situation in life for so long. And then there comes a time where God says, you know what? I love you. I want you to enter my promised land of rest and peace and joy, but it is your choice. It is your choice. And that's when we have to stand up like Matthew eleven twelve says and say, I choose to take it by force. I see that God has promised me rest and peace and joy. And I see that I'm living in a land of fear or resentment or bitterness or anger. And I don't want to live in the border of the promised land and never go in. I'm going to take it by force. And part of taking it by force is how do I respond? I'm thinking about a lady that I know whose husband left her with two small children quite a few years ago. And she told me that I could share this story and... She just said that one day she woke up and God basically impressed upon her heart, you can be bitter or you can be better. And she said, God, I choose bitter. And she literally had times where she felt like her life was going to end until she went back to God and said, God, I changed my mind. I choose better. And he said, well, you've got to forgive. You've got to let go. And that's a force. That's a response that was her choice. 
I was amazed in preparing for this, how many scriptures in the Bible say let. I know you all are probably really familiar with this one, but let, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I don't know about you all, but there are times that it would have been easier for me to just pray that the sun would not go down than to pray that I wouldn't be angry. Okay, well then I'll just pray the sun doesn't go down. There's let. Why? Because we have a choice. We have a choice. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, the scripture says. Do not let anyone lead you astray, it says in 1 John. Why? Because it's our choice. And our response to life determines whether or not we enter into God's promised land of rest. But I'm going to tell you where it all starts for me. Because it's frustrating for me to see that it's a choice and to see that it's my choice and yet to have a fight for what I'm going to decide to do. To enter into God's promised land of rest and peace, I need to be able to know that how I feel is a choice. And that how I feel starts with what I think. Just like when the spies and the twelve tribes of Israel went into the promised land and eleven came back with an overwhelming report of impossible. I know what God says, but you know what? He's wrong. These giants are too big. Their response was a reflection of what they believed, which is an ultimate reflection of what do you think? The book of Proverbs says, As a man thinketh, so is he. And then it has something to say about response. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. You see, it starts here in your mind and what you think, then it drops to your heart, then it comes out of your mouth. It's a complete, constant circle. And I'm convinced that that's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Our response really comes from what am I thinking on? And the way that I've self-sabotaged myself in the past is, I've wanted to forgive someone or respond to someone in love, but I've thought about what they've done to hurt me and talked about what they've done to hurt me and meditated on what they've done to hurt me. And then when I'm in a situation where I really want to respond in love because that really will bring me into the promised land of rest and peace, I can't do it because I've sabotaged myself. I'm absolutely convinced that the different spirit that God said that Caleb had, that allowed Caleb and Joshua, two men out of thousands, to go into the promised land, was a spirit that had been fed and fed and fed by God's word. And I believe that God is calling a generation of Christians to have a Caleb spirit. 
but it will be dependent upon our feeding ourselves with God's word so that our response is his response. He always wants us to respond in his word and in his love. Always. But we can't just decide this morning, I'm going to enter the promised land and I'm going to have that response. We have to humbly go to him, ask for him to help us, And I feel like the main thing that God wants me to convey to you this morning is if you literally, on the inside, take a step over that line that is drawn in the sand and say, Yes, God, I want to enter into the promised land of your rest and peace and joy, your promises for my life. I don't want to be circling in the wilderness for my whole life. I want to have that then I know God will answer that. Seek him and he will be found. And he says in his word that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. That word seek sounds like such a passive little word, but it's not. In the Greek language, that word seek means to aggressively go after, to go after passionately with all of your heart, to go after forcefully. Matthew eleven twelve. since the kingdom of heaven, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I keep seeing over and over that a Joshua spirit, a Caleb spirit, is a warrior spirit, not a passive spirit. A warrior spirit that says, God, you said that I could have life and life abundant. And so I'm holding on to that. You said that I could forgive. You said that I could bless my enemies. And so the giants in my land may be great. Maybe I've had things that have happened to me, you may be thinking, that are not forgivable. And the giants are great. But the Caleb spirit says, my God is greater. Maybe you have situations in your life and your finances where the giants are great. But a Caleb spirit says, but my God is greater. Maybe you have situations in your personality that you feel like you've worked on and tried to change for years. And the giants are great. You have a great amount of fear. You have a great amount of anxiety. You have a great amount of unforgiveness, whatever it might be. All I'm saying this morning is for you to say in your heart to God, but you're greater. I want a Caleb spirit. And it will depend on you. I think it's interesting to think about the fact that everything is a choice. Even how you see yourself is a choice. The 11 spies that that looked at the promised land and came back with the report of, you know, these giants are too great. We can't take over this land. They said that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. In other words, we're just these little insects compared to these giant people. And whether or not you enter into the promised land will depend on how you see yourself and how you respond to God's word about you. Psalm 139 says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And I remember seeing x-rays of my back and seeing x-rays of how twisted my spine was as a young girl. And I know this sounds really strange, but it was important to God enough to show me that an image of me would make a difference to how I saw myself for the rest of my life. And an image that you have of you will determine whether or not you go into the promised land. Why? If you see yourself as a grasshopper, as you see yourself as helpless, as you see yourself as twisted, then you will be powerless to fight the giants. But if you see yourself as having Jesus in you, the Bible says that the one that's within you is greater than the one that's within the world. And I saw those x-rays of how twisted my back was as a young girl. And I remember going home, and God literally dropped in my spirit that I was going to go through a process of um, kind of like a butterfly. And I had to have a surgery at that time. And in my mind, you know, I didn't understand all the ramifications or what was going on. All I knew is that I was going to be in a body cast for a year, a plaster Paris body cast. And so God just gave me an image of that's you in a cocoon, and you're going to come out and be a beautiful butterfly. God sees you as he's created you. And he wants you to see you as he sees you. And not focus on the imperfections in your life to the point of where you don't know that you can fight the giants. I'm talking about body, soul, and spirit. I love a quote that is from a man, I don't know who he is, but he says something that I think is really beautiful. His name is Ralph Wright. And he says, when God made you, There was silence in heaven for five minutes. And then God said, how come I never thought of that before? See, so often we don't enter into God's promised land of what he's given us because we don't see ourselves as he's seen us. God looks at you and I and sees who he created us to be. He sees the potential in us. He sees today that as you take a step over that line, drawn in the sand, and say, I want to enter into God's promised land of rest, He's already seen you enter in. And He wants you to see yourself that way. But that's a choice. Your response to yourself is a choice. Everything's a choice. Your response to who you're going to serve on this earth is a choice. I think it's interesting that the Word of God tells us that we will serve someone, whether it be God or whether it be self. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2, it tells us that in the last days, men will serve two things, themselves and money. And I think that's true. And I think it's become more in vogue I'm amazed at how many articles are about yourself and serving yourself and material things. And I'm not here to say that that's all bad. If if you gave me the funding and dropped me off in the middle of Nordstrom's shoe store, I would be very happy. 
that's not what I serve. See, and whatever you serve will rule you. Everything besides God is a mean taskmaster. God is the one that's so kind and loving and forgiving. I don't know about you, but serving myself is pretty tough. I can tell when I start serving myself, even in ministry. I'm constantly saying to my administrative assistant, we don't work for Kathleen Witten Ministries. We work for God. And I can tell when I start serving myself. It's not when I start doing things selfishly. It's when I start getting driven. Because Jesus doesn't drive us. He leads. Psalm 23 says that the good shepherd leads the sheep by still waters. See, that's the promised land of peace. And when I start to feel driven, 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 I realize Jesus doesn't drive. You know, my dad drives cattle. And when cattle are driven, you go on a horse behind them and you drive and there's dust and there's, there's adrenaline and it's a dirty job. It's, it's wonderful if you like to do that, but I'm just saying that it, there, the image of that is, is sweat and, and, and getting those cattle to the place they need to go. Cattle are driven. Sheep are led. The shepherd walks in front of the sheep and leads them. And in my life, I know daily I have a choice. I can serve myself and be driven or I can be led by Jesus and have peace. My response to my life will determine whether or not your response in your life to everything will determine whether or not you enter and live in God's promised land of rest. You know, I can't even find a place to stop because everything is a choice. Our response to what we believe is a choice. I think of um, three separate Gospels. Jesus is quoted as saying the same thing. He looks at his disciples and he says, But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I think that's so significant because God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. You look in 1 John and some of the books at the end of the Bible and it talks about, And you little children. It never says, And you little children and great-grandchildren and children and grandchildren. And why is that? Because he's our father and it's our choice. We can't go on our parents' choice or our husband's choice or our wife's choice. It's our choice. And Jesus says to each one of us this morning, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who you all know I love Peter because he always talks first, you know. He's not real worried about embarrassing himself or anything. He just talks first and... I guess I relate to Peter. He said, well, you're the Christ. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah, the Anointed One. But see, our response to even what we believe will determine our rest and peace on this earth. Our response to our circumstances. When I was in the hospital with leukemia and 
taking chemo. I went door to door um, visiting different people because hardly anyone can deny anything you want to do when you're in that position. And so I just felt very free to go and pray for people and share with people. And I thought, if I'm going to be here for a couple of months, I'm just going to take up residence and affect whoever I can affect. You know, isn't it amazing that that's the same thing that God wants us to do in this life? If I'm going to just be here for a little while, I think I'll just affect who I can affect and bring as many people into the kingdom of God as perfect as possible even as imperfect as I am or you are. So I would go door to door. And what was so apparent to me is people given the same report, going through the same thing, many of them, had such a different response. Because how we respond is our choice. Our circumstances aren't always our choice, but how we respond is our choice. And it will be dependent upon what you put into your heart. What do you think? What are you thinking about? And people that were responding in fear were fearful. People who chose that. And you may say, well, Kathleen, you can't choose whether or not you're going to fear. I agree. But you can choose whether or not you're going to keep fearing. The Bible says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I remember when we got the news of leukemia, I said, Lacey, I've got a really horrible stomach, death-gripping fear in my heart. And he put his hands on me and prayed. My wife has not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I command that spirit of fear to go in Jesus' name. And it never returned You see, it was our choice. But it was also dependent upon what we had put into our hearts to know. We would self-sabotage ourselves if we didn't even know that or know that we had that choice. You have a choice of entering into the promised land of rest and peace. But what you put in and what you think about and how much of the Word you get into you will determine whether your response allows you to enter into God's rest and peace. You know, even in a relational arena, kids can teach us such great things. And um, I remember when Maddie was little and she was going on the bus to kindergarten and um, I thought that was too young to be on a bus anyway. And um, so I was dropping her off and very tearful. And any of you who are moms and dads know that feeling of, oh, my gosh, I'm taking my kindergarten, my five-year-old on a bus. And I got a phone call from her teacher about a week into school. And her teacher, who was very sensitive and very kind, said, you know, I just want to tell you, Mrs. Whitten, that... There is a girl on the bus that's now leaving Maddie out and she has kind of a group of girls that are rallying around her and Maddie's sitting by herself. So you might want to just talk to Maddie and see if she's okay because this is kind of a perpetual thing that's going on. 
And I said, okay. Maddie came home from the bus that day, and we had one of those kind of milk and cookie moments. And I said, Maddie has school, fine. Thinking, how can I bring this up? I said, Maddie, um, who do you sit with on the bus? And she said, oh, nobody. I said, well, is everything okay? And she said, mm-hmm. So I feel sorry for this one girl. I said, you do? And she goes, oh, yeah, I feel real sorry for her. And I said, well, why? And she goes, well, because I'm a good friend and she's missing out. Her response to rejection determined whether she would enter into God's peace and rest. See, we can respond In bitterness, we can respond. In unforgiveness, we can respond. We can allow someone's rejection to make us feel like we're grasshoppers. To change our image of ourselves. Or we can say, you know, I think when God made me, there was silence in heaven for probably 20, 30 minutes. Of course, for some of us, it's because the angels were like, oh man, do we got a job here. God knew what he was getting when he made you. And he didn't say, I have a promised land of peace and rest, but not for this one. He knew you would be here on this Sunday hearing this message and that you would have a choice. And that you would maybe see, as I'm talking about some of your responses, not lining up with God's Word and God's love. I may not know a whole lot about a whole lot of things, but I know this. The Bible says that love never fails. And if I'm ever in doubt in how to respond, whether with my mouth or in my actions or my attitude, just respond in love. It's really simple. Sometimes we get caught up on your response is what you say or what you do. Lots of times... Your response is just whatever's in your heart. Just respond in love. But I found that it's impossible almost for me to respond in love if I haven't been putting God's love into my heart. And if I don't know His love for me. And as cheesy as it may sound, I want you to hear this morning, into your ears, how much God loves you. That's the core of belief. When you get into a circumstance or a situation where it looks like God has deserted you or He doesn't love you or He doesn't care about you, that's when you can say, no, I'm holding on forcefully like a warrior that God loves me. I have the spirit of Caleb, that my God is bigger than these giants and that he will cause me to have success. God loves me. And your response and my response will determine whether we enter into God's promised land of rest. It's a choice. I wanted to share with you A couple of scriptures that are really significant to me. In 1 
in Hebrews 10:36 through verses uh, 39. It says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. In other words, you need to keep persevering in God. But it also means to persevere is to not give up on you. To receive all of God's promises, not only do I not need to give up on God, that's the most important thing that I hold on to God and God's word, but don't give up on you. See yourself as God sees you, which is not what you look like right now. It's not what you act like right now. It's not even what you think right now, because we're constantly transformed by God's word as we get God's word into our hearts. And the more of God's word we have in our hearts, the more we can respond in God's love. And the more we respond in God's love, the more we enter into God's peace and rest and joy. I think it's interesting that so many people want peace and rest and joy, but they're going after peace and rest and joy. And everything that God does is opposite of the way that you and I would probably do it naturally. Have you noticed that? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then all these things will be added. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? God's rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Peace and joy, and even the material things and the desires of your heart, like it says in Psalm 37. Seeking God And his word is how we enter into his rest. It's how we believe and continue to believe. And it determines our responses and our choices in life. I think the most revealing thing to me is that I have choices for every response. When someone offends me, I have a choice. I can be offended or I can choose to love them. I can remember it or I can choose to forget it. In other words, I can write that offense in sand and let it go or I can write it in marble and repeat it and repeat it and remember it and become bitter and hurt and rejected. Let it change how I feel about myself. Let it change how I feel about people and never enter into God's promised land of rest and peace. Everything is a choice. I think it's scary in a way that God's given us so many choices. But I realize that the only way that love can be love is if it's a choice. That's just the only way. I was talking to someone the other night and he was talking about the fact that he does not want to get a divorce but his wife does. And he just said, I finally realized that I don't want to be with someone who doesn't love me. You see, love is a choice. It is a choice. And we have to choose to love God. But it will depend upon what we believe and what we've put into our hearts. I want us to pray this morning, and 
I feel so full of like what God wants to get across, and I feel so inadequate. So the most important thing to me is that God speak whatever it is that He wants to speak to your heart. You know, we record for the ministry for CDs that people purchase, but that's not the most important thing to me. The most important thing is that I keep open to what God wants to do. And um, even though I'm not really through with this message, I really feel like God wants me to pray, and that's what I'm going to do. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word and your truth, and I thank you that you've given us choices. And um, sometimes we feel the weight of the responsibility that the outcome of our life truly, truly is up to us. It's up to our response to our situations and our circumstances. Father, I pray that when people hurt us or respond to us in a lack of integrity or a hurtful way or a dishonoring way or even in a lying way, whether they persecute us or curse us, do us wrong, mar our reputation. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus you would give us a Caleb spirit to respond in love, to respond in truth, and to not have fear, and to not feel like a grasshopper in the land, but to know that we can enter into God's promised land of rest and peace knowing that you give us favor in the eyes of others. You are the one that guards our reputation. You are who we need to seek approval from. Father, I know that it's our choice every day as to who we will serve. And God, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but it is so easy for me to start serving my own schedule, serving my own plans, serving my own agenda. And then I start to feel driven and I start to feel anxious and I start to feel worried until I stop and remember that you don't drive, you lead. And I ask you, Father, that each one of us would get behind you in order to walk in your ways and be led by you in every situation that we have in our lives right now. Everything we would learn to be led. Because you do bring us into that peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, I know it's our choice as to how we react. How we react to circumstances that are difficult. God, I ask that we would react in love and not fear. We would respond, rather, in love and not fear. It's a choice. And I just praise you, Lord Jesus, that it is a choice whether or not we enter into your promised land of rest. And I ask that you would put a spirit of determination and a spirit of aggression, a spirit of force in each one of us, that we would not give up on you and we would not give up on ourselves, that we would continue to trust you. Amen. I pray, Lord, that we would take these scriptures seriously. Again, Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised for in just a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous 
will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. And in Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I pray that we enter into God's promised land of rest and peace, but that we do it with a warrior spirit, not giving up on God and not giving up on ourselves. And I pray that for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWhitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.